Welcome everyone to Elevate. I am your host, Dr. Corey Sandra, chiropractic physician, outdoor enthusiast, and occasional actor. Our mission at Elevate is to help you elevate your life to new levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and energetically, with incredible information in the field of health and wellness from a holistic, natural approach. Let's get rolling. Welcome everyone to Elevate, episode 12. I'm Dr. Corey Sandra. Today's podcast, we're going to dive into the top five things that you can eliminate from your diet to achieve optimal health. Basically taking the approach, what are the five things that you can do right now to eliminate out of your diet to improve your overall health? As most of you know, in my office, I recommend or prescribe four main diets. You know, I, uh, I'm big into the paleo diet. One of the subsets of the paleo diet is the autoimmune paleo protocol. I like the primal diet. That's Mark Sisson's work. Big fan of the keto diet and an even bigger fan of the carnivore diet. And my next few podcasts, I'm actually going to go into detail of each diet and break them down for you. But right now, I don't care what diet you're on, there's certain things that you can do to eliminate out of your diet for better health. I'm basically coming from the standpoint of what are the five things that you can eliminate from the standard American diet. We all know how wonderful the standard American diet is. I mean, it's been pushed on us the last 40, 50 years. It's been a dismal failure. That's the high-carbohydrate, low-fat diet. And the trends in chronic illnesses have just exponentially gotten worse decade after decade. You know, as of 2017, 2018, according to the CDC, the U.S. obesity rate in the United States is 42.4%. 49 to 52% of the U.S. population has prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. There's been a 62-fold increase in cancer from 1811 to 2010, a 25-fold increase in type 2 diabetes from 1935 to 2015, and a 30-fold increase in obesity from the 19th century to uh, 2015. And there was a study that came out, I think about 2019, and I'll have the notes, the references in the notes Uh, from the the article, but 88% of adults in America, 88% of adults in the United States are, they meet the classification as being metabolically challenged or metabolic dysfunction. And what I mean by that is there's there's a syndrome called metabolic syndrome and there's five components to it. And according to this study, two, uh, you have to meet two of the five criteria to be classified as being metabolically challenged. And that means high blood glucose, high triglycerides, high blood pressure, an increase in your waist circumference, and low low HDL lipoproteins. And just having two of those five, you're metabolically challenged. What do I mean by being metabolically challenged? What I mean by that is 
we are basically what that is saying is almost 90% of the U.S. Pop adult population are on the road to developing diabetes, di uh, developing heart disease, cancer, obesity. And metabolic syndrome is a great indicator to tell us where we are with our health. Metabolic syndrome can also be, has another name, insulin resistance. That is the body's inability to use insulin. And when we have elevated insulin levels in the body, well, insulin is a fat storage hormone. So if our insulin levels are chronically elevated, we store fat. We can't burn fat. We store fat, we gain more weight. We have more insulin resistance. The pancreas has to produce more insulin. Now we have hyperinsulinemia. So elevated insulin levels, which in turn causes more insulin resistance, which is basically the main component of metabolic syndrome. Elevated insulin, insulin resistance, leads to inflammation, leads to oxidation in the body, lowered immune system, higher rates of cancer, higher rates of diabetes, higher rates of obesity, higher rates of heart disease. Every underlying chronic disease has one thing in common, inflammation. And that inflammation is a direct result of elevated insulin levels in the body and insulin resistance. Well, how did this come to be? Well, 1980s, when they established the first food uh, guidelines for the United States, that wonderful food pyramid in the bottom tier was six to 11 servings of grains and starches a day, which is absolutely ridiculous. Anyone who follows that food pyramid or the updated food pyramid from, I think, 1993, you're just asking for trouble. If you want to be sick, follow the government guidelines. They're, they're not based on science. It's all based on politics and money. But if we go back to the turn of the 20th century, the late 1860s, you know, we had several things going on. We had the development and production of vegetable seed oils, cottonseed oil, Crisco, and a bunch of the others, which I'll touch on in a moment. We had improved technology in um, milling technologies for refining grains. You know, the production of sugar has been on a steady increase for the last 150 years. So for the last 150 years, we've had massive production of vegetable seed oils, massive production of grains, massive production of refined sugars. And the rates of disease have just gone right along with our intake of it. And so if we're, most of America follows to some extent the standard American diet, and the standard American diet actually basically as of 2009, 63 to 74% of our diet is composed of processed foods. These processed and refined sugars, refined flours and grains, vegetable seed oils and trans fats. So today, I want to present to you the top five things you can do. Today, I want to present to you the top five things that I recommend that you eliminate from your diet so you can get off the standard American diet and hopefully adopt a paleo or primal or keto or carnivore lifestyle. I'm not going to convince everybody to go that route, and I don't have the energy or the time or the desire to do that. You know, people are going to follow vegetarian diet. People are going to follow pescatarian, which is a vegetarian diet with fish. They're going to follow an ovo-vegetarian, which is eggs. 
We're a lacto-vegetarian, which is milk products, and some people are going to do the vegan diet. Whatever you decide, it's your choice. But all of these diets, if we eliminate these five things, you're going to be doing better than the standard American diet, and you're going to improve your health. The number one thing that we can eliminate from our diet for optimal health is eliminating all processed and refined sugars, the white stuff. That's like corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, sucrose, white sugar, cane sugar, beet sugar. All of those lead to elevated insulin levels. Elevated insulin levels leads to metabolic syndrome. We get more inflammation. We get decreased immune function. We get a metabolic breakdown in the body. And we develop diabetes. We develop cancer. We develop heart disease. We develop obesity. So eliminating sugar processed refined sugar. And I'm not talking about the sugar in fruit. I'm talking about candies, sodas, energy drinks. Most of your foods that are boxed, bottled, or canned usually has sugar in it. If you're looking for a substitute as you're weaning yourself off these refined sugars, I'm a big fan of monk fruit and erythritol and swerve. You can get those in most grocery stores now. They have pretty much zero effect on elevating your blood sugar, and they, they don't have calories. You don't tend to see the swing in insulin. So those are good some good substitutes. Hopefully, you get to the point with your diet balanced and your body balanced that you're not going to be going for any type of sugar substitute or sweetener or dessert, and you can get your sweetness from fruits. So eliminating processed refined sugars. And number two, this might stir up a little controversy, is the elimination of all grains and flours. And if you've been in my office or listened to my podcast, I am not a fan of grains. I think humans do better without grains. So I'm talking wheat, rye, oats, barley, spelt, corn, rice, even the pseudo grains like buckwheat and quinoa. The reason is, is... The components within these grains that are so harmful to the body, one of the biggest ones are lectins. You've heard of gluten. Well, gluten is a lectin. Prolamines, agglutinins, they are nature's pesticides. Plants don't have teeth. They don't have claws. You know, Their only defense from being eaten is producing toxins within themselves to discourage animals from eating them. So lectins are nature's pesticides. And these lectins can cause inflammation in the gut. They can cause leaky gut. They can cause gastrointestinal dysbiosis, meaning a disruption in the microflora um, in, the, in the intestines, leading to autoimmune diseases, leading to, leading to, again, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, obesity. They also have uh, what we call phytates. And these phytates within grains block our body's ability to absorb calcium, magnesium, iron, zinc, iodine. I talk to a lot of patients, oh, I can't give up my bread, I can't give up my pasta. Well, yeah, no shit, you're addicted to it. Believe it or not, one of the, one of the subcomponents of gluten is a compound called gliadin. Well, gliadin binds to the opioid receptors in your brain. So yeah, you're addicted, just like you're, someone would be addicted to cigarettes or alcohol or drugs. Food's one of the biggest drugs we put into our body. 
somebody who is trying to get gluten out of their body, they're going to struggle with the gliadin because it, you're dealing with an addiction cycle. Grains are full of enzyme inhibitors. They're high in omega-6 fatty acids, which again causes more inflammation. More inflammation, more insulin resistance, more, more metabolic dysfunction, more breakdown in the body. You know, oftentimes in the office, if I can get a patient to get off grains, primarily wheat and gluten, a lot of their problems clear up. Their irritable bowel syndrome clears up. Their, their um, heartburn clears up. Their skin conditions clear up. Their arthritis clears up. Their autoimmune diseases go into remission. So, yeah, I'm big on a no-grain diet. And paleo, primal, keto, and carnivore are all non-grain diets. Number three is eliminating all vegetable seed oils, also known as polyunsaturated fatty acids. If you understood how vegetable seed oils are made, it's almost, if you ever pass by a refinery for where oil is processed into gasoline, well, a refinery for vegetable seed oils doesn't look too much different. They take these seeds from oils and then they compress them and they squeeze the oil out of them and then they bleach them and they raise them to high temperatures and they basically alter it into a chemical that really the body was not designed to handle. Vegetable seed oils are high in omega-6 fatty acids, which causes inflammation in the body, more insulin resistance, increased oxidation. When this happens, we have a decrease in mitochondrial function which can cause fatigue, chronic fatigue. You see higher rates of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, cancer. And the, the interesting thing about vegetable seed oils is the body can't burn it for fuel. It gets stored in the fat cells. And vegetable seed oils have a half-life of 18 months. So it takes a long time for it to break down in the body and so the body can get rid of it, but very detrimental to the body. So in 1865, there was zero consumption of vegetable seed oils. As compared to 2010, 80 grams a day. And vegetable seed oils are in everything. Anything that's boxed, bottled, or canned, you're going to see vegetable seed oil. You know, salad dressings are huge for it. As far as vegetable seed oils go, uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan, who wrote The Fat Burn Fix, she has a list of what she calls the hateful eight. And that is corn oil, canola, cottonseed, rice bran, grapeseed oil, soy, sunflower, and safflower oil. If you see those on any labels on any products in the store, don't consume them, don't buy them. Those are the vegetable seed oils you want to avoid. So instead of vegetable seed oils, the best fats we can use are butter, lard, tallow, suet, and from vegetable sources, avocado, coconut, and olive oil. But be careful when you buy olive oil because most of the olive oils are blended with canola oil. You, you basically got to go to the top shelf and get the expensive olive oil. You know, usually it's expensive olive oil. It's been imported and it's usually $15 or more instead of the, the cheap Kroger brand. But butter by far is the best. Number four is kind of a subcomponent of vegetable seed oils, and that's the elimination of all trans fats or hydrogenated oils. That all started in 1911 with the development of Crisco. That's where they took uh, vegetable seed oils and uh, 
ran hydrogen streams through it and hydro made a liquid into a solid. So like any type of margarine or butter spreads that you see, like you go to the butter section of the store and you'll see these little tubs that say vegetable spread oil or butter spreads and they're not butter usually. They usually have blended with hydrogenated oils and these hydrogenated oils are toxic to the body more inflammation, more fat storage, more diabetes, more heart disease, more obesity. The list goes on and on and on. And that also includes anything that's partially hydrogenated. You want to get those out of the diet. Number five is the elimination of any food allergies, food sensitivities, or food intolerances. Food allergies in the laboratory are usually IgE mediated, so they'll do a blood test or a scratch test to look for an IgE mediated food allergy. Uh, food sensitivity typically is more IgG or IgA. And a food intolerance typically is where we have an enzyme deficiency. That's someone who would be like lactose intolerant. How they normally test for food allergies or food sensitivities is the, the scratch test. That's where they do little scratches on your back and put some of the little serum on each of the scratches and look for a welt to develop. And they actually have about a 50 to 60% false positive. They're highly inaccurate. Blood tests are variable at best. You know, a lot of people who have issues with wheat, and every time they eat wheat or gluten, it rips up their stomach, and they go in and get an allergy test, it'll be negative. But yet you take the patient off gluten, and their digestive issues clear up. Well, there's probably other things going on besides a classic allergy that we derive from a blood test. So really, the best way to determine if you have a food allergy or a food sensitivity or you react to certain foods is just do a food elimination diet. That's really the gold standard. And one of the best ways to do that, in the how I, how I do it in the office, if I can get a patient to go on a 30-day uh, carnivore diet, which is the ultimate in elimination because you're only eating animal products and most people react more to the plant side than they do the animal side. I mean, it's, I, mean I can't remember the last time I saw someone who had a beef allergy. You know, you might see a pork allergy here and there, but most of the time it's, it's the vegetables, it's the grains, starches, and sugars that people are reacting to. Well, if they go on a 30-day elimination diet eating animal products and then after that they can start introducing a certain food and then if they get lit up with symptoms well then they know that food is causing reaction you know whether you call it a food allergy a food sensitivity a food intolerance or a food reactant the body's reacting to it so the body's reacting to it let's get it out of the diet you know one of the biggest ones I see is cow's milk. I see a lot of people relax. I see a lot of people react to cow's milk, and it's usually going to be the protein component from uh, the casein component, or like I said, they might be lactose intolerant. I'm really not a big fan of cow's milk. I really think humans do better without cow's milk. And again, in the office, I see patients with arthritis, allergies, and asthma, and ear infections, and chronic upper respiratory infections and they get off milk and then their problems clear up. And some of the other vegetables like um, kale and spinach and broccoli, they can have what uh, oxalates and the oxalates can irritate a lot of people. You know, I see a lot of people that go on a paleo diet or a primal diet or keto or carnivore 
and they start feeling better, but they're not all the way better. They still have achy joints. And I said, well, well, let's get out, uh, get the oxalates out of your diet. Get, get rid of the kale. Get rid of the, get rid of the spinach. Get rid of broccoli and cauliflower, and they get rid of it. Their problems clear up. Well, they're having, a, they're reacting to oxalates. Another food group I see people reacting to are the nightshades. That's the white potatoes, the green peppers, the eggplants. Well, they have solanines. The body reacts to the solanines. One thing I've noticed after practicing the last 25 years is a food allergy can cause any symptom in the body. It can cause allergies. It can cause arthritis. It can cause autoimmune diseases. It can cause high blood pressure. It can cause Crohn's disease, Hashimoto's disease, MS, you name it. So if you have a food allergy or a sensitivity or an intolerance to a specific food group, get it out of your diet. You know, that's why I like, you know, keto and carnivore. You know, you're already eliminating most of the foods that people react to. The biggest foods that people react to is corn and wheat and dairy and soy. Those are the big ones I see. See, I'm not a big fan of soy. Soy has a lot of phytates in it, which again blocks the absorption of minerals in the body and also can suppress thyroid function. I got into food allergies back in the 90s when I was in chiropractic school and I got introduced to a book called um, Your Family Tree Connection by Dr. Chris Redding out of Australia and uh, he did some in-depth work going into the mental asylums in Australia and he started t charting their family histories so people that were diagnosed with uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, and anxiety. He also noticed that when he did their family trees, well, a lot of the family members also had schizophrenia or bipolar, but they also had celiac disease or Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis or Hashimoto's disease. And he, he just found it was interesting that they had, you know, these mental issues, but they also had these other autoimmune issues. And then he found out that, oh, Maybe they got a corn allergy or a wheat allergy or a dairy allergy, and when he took them off their foods, a lot of their symptoms cleared up. A lot of their emotional and mental illnesses cleared up. You know, there's a strong link between wheat and schizophrenia. Oftentimes, you can get wheat and gluten and grains out of the diet, and it, it balances out their uh, neurotransmitters. It's wild. So, yeah, it's a fabulous book by Chris Redding. So... So ever since I've been in practice, I've been really big into food allergies and food sensitivities and trying to find out which foods patients react to, get them out of their diet, let's get their health improved. So again, the top five things you can do to improve your health and eliminate out of your diet, get rid of the processed and refined sugars, get rid of the grains, the flours, get rid of the vegetable seed oils, get rid of the trans fats, and get rid of any food allergies or food sensitivities or food intolerances and you're going to be on your way to better health. You're going to have more energy. You're going to you're going to lose weight. You cut the you cut the sugars and the vegetable seed oils out of the diet. I see type 2 diabetes go bye-bye. I see autoimmune issues go bye-bye. I see inflammatory markers and in blood work go back to normal. Food is the biggest drug we put into our body on a daily basis. You know, what it all boils down to is taking the shit out of your diet, eating real food, whole food, animal protein, 
good fats, whole fruits, whole vegetables, and get rid of the artificial stuff. Get rid of the man-made stuff, and you're already going to be on your way to better health. Again, whether you're doing a vegetarian diet, low-fat, high-fat, low-carb, high-carb, paleo, primal, keto, carnivore, anything's better than the standard American diet. And if we can cut these five things out of the diet, you're going to get your life back. I promise you. I've seen it too many times. So where I plan on going from here in our next few podcasts, I'm going to go in-depth into the paleo diet, primal diet, keto, and carnivore. i got some guest speakers lined up. We're going to get them on the show and let them talk a while while I can ask questions. If you have any questions, please email me, message me on Facebook, call the office, all the information's in the notes and the podcast. So other than that, tomorrow is April 1st, which is not only April Fool's Day, but it is actually my 25-year anniversary of being in practice. So I'm probably going to go out and celebrate and have a great big fat ribeye for dinner. So I hope you have a great day. Go out, do something you love, and I'll see you next time. Take care. The information contained in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. All information presented by the hosts, guests, and all other material is not intended as a replacement or treatment for any medical condition, nor is it intended to examine, diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition. Before engaging in any healthcare decision, please seek the care and guidance of a qualified medical physician.